Welcome, everyone, to episode 49 of Ohio Unsolved. I'm your host, Matthew, and we're in the best time of the year, Halloween. To celebrate, we're doing two weeks of Halloween-themed episodes, with next week's episode being the official Halloween special. Also, the Patreon bonus episode that releases today is also a Halloween tale of terror. I was hoping for it to be the story that I'm currently working on, but I've hit a pretty nasty mental block that I just can't seem to overcome yet. But I promise that it will release soon. But let's just get right into today's episode. Everyone sit back, make sure to lock your doors and windows, and get ready for Ohio Unsolved. Our first story is about the murder of Tony Bagley on Halloween night in 1994. Halloween is a tough time for the Bagley family because on Halloween night, their seven-year-old son was murdered right in front of them while out trick-or-treating. Tony was dressed in his skeleton costume and he was out with his mother, sister, and aunt. While out enjoying the night, and heading to the next house for some candy. A man wearing a hoodie suddenly ran into the street and opened fire on the family. Witnesses told police that the man then jumped into a waiting car and fled the area. Tony, a second grader at Fitzgerald Elementary School, was shot in the head. His 10-year-old sister, Chanel Begley, his mother, Lachelle Cooper, and an aunt who asked to remain unnamed were also sprayed with gunfire. Chanel required surgery to remove part of her liver, while the aunt, who was shot in the leg, and mother, who was struck in the chest, were treated and released. Tony was placed on life support and later died. At face value, the shootings appeared premeditated, targeting the Bagleys. Northtown, as the city is nicknamed, is known as being gang-infested, although police have stopped short of connecting the crimes to gangs. The only description of the shooter was that he was a 5 foot 8 inch African American man who was wearing a dark colored jogging suit. The killer vanished into the night, leaving a cold trail behind him. Theories varied, with the most prominent being that another family member, not with the Bagleys that night, had been the intended target. That theory, however, never panned out for investigators. Then-Lieutenant Mike Blackwell with the North Las Vegas Police Department said instead 
that the shooting may have been retaliation for a drug deal gone bad. The case was so frustrating for police and the family because there was no real leads that the police went so far to call on a psychic for help. Tony's mother flew to Los Angeles with a detective to talk to the psychic, said the boy's grandmother, Carolyn Landers. The psychic told them where the gun was in an abandoned building. It seemed good at first, but when police went to the building, there was no gun. The Bagley family found new hope when Tony's story was broadcast four months later on America's Most Wanted. But Ivy Van Allen, a publicist for the program, said afterward, we didn't get any calls. On the first anniversary of Tony's death, the late Bob Stupak, a gambling mogul, offered a $100,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest and conviction of Tony's killer. Again, no leads came from it. In an odd twist, three and a half years after Tony was shot, his father, Anthony Bagley Sr., in April of 1998, was charged and convicted of an unrelated murder, also committed on the street. Today, Anthony Bagley sits in a Nevada state prison, serving out two consecutive life terms. Anthony has never talked to police about whether he knew who shot his son. To this day, no arrest has been made in the case of seven-year-old Tony. Hopefully one day, someone will see an article and remember who might have done this horrible shooting and the family can finally get some justice. Our next story is from YourGhostStories.com and this story takes place the night before Halloween. It was the eve of Halloween and I was sitting on my couch alone watching a paranormal investigation show that I believe was called Most Haunted Live. You may have heard of it. In this episode, they were live streaming an investigation in Edinburgh. This particular event lasts three days from the 29th to the 31st of October. Anyway, the only other people in the house was my sister who was already asleep, my mom and stepdad who were watching TV in their room. I was so absorbed in watching this investigation take place. I heard the doorbell ring at approximately 9.30 p.m. The very strange thing is, it only rang the first tune, just the ding, but not the dong. No one in the house was expecting anyone. In fact, I was the only one who checked the door and nobody else came out of their rooms. A little weirded out, but I checked the door to see who would be ringing the bell at this hour but nobody was there. I looked around the bushes outside that adorned the house on either side of the door and there was no trace of anything. I shrugged it off thinking, okay, maybe it's just a doorbell acting weird. Even if it was just a traditional doorbell. Nothing fancy about it. This was 2006 before the high-tech doorbells that we have today. So I sat back down and I kept watching the show for at least 30 minutes or so before the same exact thing happened. Ding! My front door had a glass window in the center. So if anyone was there, I would be able to at least see their torso. I watched from the door 
I watched the door from the couch and stared through the glass to see if there was any movement. Although I was far away, I wasn't far enough to not notice anyone at the door, if anyone had really been standing there. At this point, I had the hallway light, the living room light, and the light in the entranceway on, and the light outside. I sat still, and then comes my cat, Gizmo, slowly emerging from the hallway, walking slowly to the front of the door and sat down just a few feet from the door, square in the middle. He just stared at the door. I was so freaked out at this point, but I had to know if anyone was really there. My cat obviously sensed something there. Animals always sense things anyway. But I was too scared to answer the door myself, so I went to get my stepdad first. As I passed my cat, who was still staring at the door, and began to walk down the hall to my parents' room, I turned around a moment to see Gizmo had turned to then stare directly at me as I kept walking down the hallway. This made my hair stand on end. I knock on my parents' door, and I ask if they heard the doorbell ring. They shook their head and looked at each other, then at me, and said, No, what are you talking about? So I explained that the doorbell rang twice, but how it was different than normal. So we checked outside and nobody was there. My stepdad went outside too, and nobody was anywhere around the house either. We also checked the doorbell and rang it ourselves, and it sounded perfectly fine, like it should be. Of course, they just thought I was hearing things. And so, since I was watching a paranormal program, Parents, am I right? Anyways, I know what I experienced was real, but what could it have been? I've heard of bad omens of knocks on the door or ringing the doorbell in regards to the death of loved ones. However, nobody I knew died. I haven't told this story on the web before, and I hope you guys enjoyed the real story. I'll have more experiences to share in the future. Our final story is also from Your Ghost Stories, and it's one person's experience inside of a graveyard on Halloween. I spent the night in a graveyard, kind of. We actually went on a series of nights, most recently Halloween, and that time I went alone. Why go to a glitzy, Hollywood-induced costume party when you can celebrate it the old-fashioned way with a good old ghost hunt. A proper stakeout with coffee and biscuits. We went armed with a torch, digital camera, voice recorder, and of course, our own senses and judgment. Probably the most important tool of all, but also the one most prone to error. Amateurish tech by proper ghost hunting standards, I know, but you have to start somewhere. As with my previous tale, this one comes from the Scottish town of Troon, specifically an old graveyard in church ruins on the outskirts called Crosby Kirkyard. It dates back to 1681, but an older church apparently stood on the site as far back as the 1200s, so we're talking really old here. It was officially closed in 1868 when the town got a bigger cemetery 
and the gates have been locked ever since. According to legend, the roof of the church blew off during a storm the same night Robert Burns, Scotland's national poet, was born in the nearby town of Ayr. However, that tale sounds made up to me. What's more interesting is a poem made about the place by one John, John Lang, alleging, to, alleging it to be haunted by ghosts and spunkies, which is ghosts in strange lights. Again, don't just take my word for it. All of this info can be found online. This is a real place with real history. If you know the local area well enough, there are a few ways to get there. The most direct being through the woods. The gate is permanently locked and the wall more or less insurmountable, though there is a way in by standing on a tree stump around one side and mounting part of the wall. A cemetery at night was a petrifying thought when I was younger, so simply being there in the dark felt like something of an achievement. The hardest part was probably entering. You're never sure what's over the other side of that wall. I almost had to remind myself that somewhere in here was the resting place of one-time assassin named David Hamilton, though most say it was really his brother who was guilty and that David was just part of the plot, but that's a debate for another day. My photos were fairly spooky in themselves, showing dark trees and ruins looming up against a gray sky, not to mention the jagged metal of the cemetery gate, but there was nothing out of the ordinary. A few dust specks, maybe. Then I set down my voice recorder, and we ex exited the graveyard hoping to pick up something in our absence. And we returned a half hour later. Just as the novelty of it all was wearing off, we took a seat on an overturned gravestone, and we were gazing at the stars when a white streak of light came zooming past right above us. My friend thought that it might be a shooting star, but it seemed much too slow and small. Shooting stars travel in an arc, whereas this light just shot straight by in a perfect line. If that was weird, it was to get even weirder. As we set out on our way home, another one of these lights appeared just over the ruined church, zooming into the tree line. It was lucky I turned my head around at that moment to catch it. I wonder how many lights there were that we didn't see. There was no doubting it this time. It was way too slow and minuscule to be a shooting star. I can only describe these lights as tiny white balls or globes which traveled very fast. Either it was a ghost or I witnessed a strange light phenomenon. Possibly something similar to what we might now call will-o'-the-wisps or something we don't know about yet. Maybe these lights were the Spunkies reported in John Lang's poem centuries earlier. Spunky is an old Scots word which basically meant a strange light or glowing. The following evening, I listened back to the audio from my voice recorder, all 27 minutes of it, and I did find something. However faint, 
In between the gentle wind and car noises is what sounds like a tap, followed by three or four footsteps. I rewound and compared it with my own footsteps at the start of the recording, and the sound was practically identical. I also tried reproducing the tap sound by touching the screen of the phone and playing it back, and that too sounded quite familiar. The whole segment is unique in the whole footage. Was it simply another person, you might ask? Well, although a main road does run nearby, barely anyone walks this way, especially at night. It's a bit out of the way. Type in Crosby Churchyard on Google Maps and you'll see what I mean. And I think it's a pretty fair assumption that we were only we were the only weirdos going into this place at night. I suppose the likeliest explanation is an animal, but the footsteps sounded too slow and heavy to be a squirrel or a rabbit, though that's just my own personal judgment. Nothing happened on the other nights, but that still can't diminish our experiences from the first time. Beginner's luck, I suppose. In fact, the only vaguely paranormal thing we encountered on the second night was a noise outside of my friend's house on the homeward journey. Then the thought came to me that what we call the paranormal probably works in a very funny way, or as bizarre as it sounds, like fishing. You can go ten times and only catch something once, or twice. All of my run-ins with ghosts so far have had that kind of theme. There's something there, not overly clear or discernible, but still quite out of the ordinary. Then in an instant it's gone, or it doesn't show up again. It's not as if you can catch it up close and take it back to test in a lab, but you know, there was definitely a weird element about the experience. I don't give much credit to the feelings of being watched, or of a presence, after all, that you feel scared is a fact about yourself and not your surroundings. But I suppose it's not a bad thing to say that at no point in the investigation was I genuinely frightened or alarmed. I even liked it in there, the magical stillness of it all. If one thing's for sure, it's that the dead are less likely to harm you than the living. But whatever they are truly at rest, I still can't say. Well, that's going to do it for our first of two Halloween specials this month. I hope that everyone enjoyed the stories, and if you did, please rate and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, don't forget to join us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. I promise that I'll get back to uploading the episodes there just as soon as I can. It's not easy running this podcast and working a full-time job during the day. If you do enjoy the podcast, please consider helping to support the show by subscribing on Patreon with monthly bonus episodes starting at the $5 tier, and the next bonus episode is live today. So what are you waiting for? Go give it a listen too. But once again, thank you everyone, 
and make sure to keep your doors and windows locked and stay ready for Ohio Unsolved.